Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos Rosh Chodesh morning. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Oh, 
Simcha belibam lekayem bakashat boram ha'avik biya et yado unirad mishtakfot basakin ra'enei beno v'tzetzav dorot v'tom min ha'shamayim d'maot naflu v'nishmakol Thank <laughs> you. 
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. It's a Rosh Chodesh morning. It's Benny Friedman with Al Tishlach Yadcha. Uh, before that, David Lowy and Nigun Mashiach. You heard um, Yaakov Shweki's Berchas Abayis. Eitan Freloch with both Vahayu and Mimizrach uh, Shemesh. Malacha, that's words from uh, Hallel with Yami Lowy. And of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. My thanks to Avrami, who took over yesterday, JM and the AM, on a Thanksgiving day. And thanks to all of you for tuning in on this Friday of Thanksgiving weekend, the second day of Rosh Chodesh Kislev, day number one in the month of Kislev on this 25th day of November. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Toldos with candle lighting time in New York, 4-11. 4-11 is candle lighting in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And... Uh, we're getting set for a wonderful Shabbos Parshas Toldos, a Thanksgiving weekend Shabbos. Again, today is Rosh Chodesh, all the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh today, including Yalav Yavo, Half Hallel, Special Torah Reading, Musaf, Barchinavshin, whatever your custom calls for on a Rosh Chodesh morning. And uh, 
And that's it. What can I say? Here we are on Friday of Thanksgiving weekend. We're live on a jam in the AM Friday with uh, both Harry Rothenberg and Rabbi Yudin joining us for words about the Torah portion and with Malcolm Honline scheduled to join us with um, our weekly update coming up at 7.40 a.m. Eastern time, just over an hour from now here at JM in the AM. Eighth day is next, Friday morning, Rosh Chodesh, Erev Shabbos. Thanks for joining us at JM in the AM. Yeah.
shall gila, Romemot shalt fila, Simchatan shall chatan shall kala. Billy Bohodaya, Vinigun Viliba, Lishnehem, Himotopehima.
Oh, uh-huh. 
Say done by Shlomo Simcha. Before that, the uh, beautiful Shabbos selection from Amar Madar. It's called Bowie and Bowie Vashalom done by Shlomo Kalbach in there as well. Shashalish Jr. had both the Chuppah song and Hodu on this Rosh Chodesh morning here at JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Round the world, the web at AlchemSingle.com on the AlchemSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Galay Tzal in the background to our news from Israel coming up. Harry Rothenberg is going to join us with Parshas Toldos. We'll have Malcolm Honline weekly update. 8 o'clock hour of Ayudin with Parshas Toldos. And we uh, wrap up the week at um, 9 a.m. Eastern time. At 10 o'clock this morning, Mark Zamek presented by the wonderful people at Kedem with the Arab Shabbos show. Galay Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next at JMNAM. Shalom Rav, Baulpan, El-Azhar, Ben Lolo, Im, הותר לפרסום עדי מזרחי בין ה-23 מחולון הוא החשוד ברצח יורי וולקוב במעבר חצייה בעיר. 
מבית משפט השלום בתל אביב מדווחת כתבתנו אנה פינס. מעצרו של מזרחי הוארך בשישה ימים. במקור המשטרה יחסה לו חשד להמתה בקלות דעת בלבד של יורי וולקוב בן ה-52, אותו דקר בעקבות ויכוח במעבר חצייה. לאחר הפרסומים בתקשורת המשטרה חזרה בה ושינתה את סעיף העבירה לרצח בנסיבות מחמירות. ובתוך כך משפחת וולקוב ממשיכה בגיוס כספים לקראת ההלוויה בראשון. חברה קדישה העניקה למשפחה הנחה של 50% על הקבורה, שמחירה ההתחלתי עומד על 58,000 שקלים. ההנחה הושגה על ידי חברי כנסת חרדים בעקבות הראיון ביומן סיכום השבוע של גלי צה"ל עם דריה, בתו של וולקוב. הוארך בשבוע מעצרו של אמיר אלקרנאוי, תושב רהט, החשוד בניסיון דריסה של תלמיד בית הספר הטכני בבאר שבע אתמול. החלטה זו נוגדת את המלצת המשטרה שביקשה להאריך את מעצרו ב-11 יום. עורך דינו של החשוד טוען כי לא מדובר בניסיון פיגוע דריסה על רקע לאומני, אלא בתקלה ברכב שגרמה לאיבוד שליטה. ידיעה שהעביר כתבנו בדרום, רמי שני. אחות הותקפה בבית החולים הדסה הר הצופים בירושלים בידי בני משפחה של מטופל. על פי החשד, בני המשפחה נהגו באלימות, הפרו את הסדר וגרמו נזק לציוד במקום. כתבתנו נועה ברנס מציינת שהמשטרה עצרה שלושה חשודים תושבי מזרח ירושלים. מזכ"ל נאט"ו יאן סטולטנברג אומר, רוסיה מבצעת פשעי מלחמה באוקראינה. אנו רואים התקפות מחרידות נגד אזרחים, אזורי מגורים, תשתיות חיוניות, בתי ספר ובתי חולים עם מספר גבוה של נפגעים. סטולטנברג קרא למדינות החברות בברית ההגנה להגביר את הסיוע לקייב, בעיקר בתחום ההגנה האווירית. כדורגל מגביע העולם בקטאר, נבחרת איראן פוגשת בשעה זו את נבחרת ווילס בבית ב'. שחקני נבחרת איראן, שלא שרו את ההמנון במשחק הראשון שלהם בבית מול אנגליה, שרו את ההמנון בתחילת המשחק, ככל הנראה עקב דרישת השלטון האיראני. התוצאה בהערכה היא תיקו אפס. כתבנו בר פלג מוסיף שבעוד שעה, המארחת קטאר תפגוש את נבחרת סנגל. מזג האוויר, גשם לפרקים מלווה סופות רעמים יחידות בצפון הארץ ובמרכזה. קיים חשש הצפות במישור החוף ובשיטפונות בנחלי מדבר יהודה וים המלח. הלילה יוסיפו לרדת גשמים מצפון הארץ עד לצפון הנגב. ואלה זמני כניסת השבת, פרשת תולדות. בירושלים, ארבע דקות לפני ארבע, בתל אביב, בארבע ושבע עשרה דקות, בחיפה, בארבע וחמש דקות, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת, בארבע ותשע עשרה דקות. ואלה זמני צאת השבת מחר, בירושלים, בחמש ורבע, בתל אביב, בחמש ושש עשרה דקות, בחיפה, בחמש וארבע עשרה דקות, ובבאר שבע תצא השבת מחר, בחמש ושמונה עשרה. לכל מאזיננו, שבת שלום. אלה חדשות.
JM and the AM with Schleimy Gertner. Harry Rothenberg has words about Parsha's told those series in a Friday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. Agav. התקף של כעס וזעם יכול לבוא לידי ביטוי בשלל דרכים, אלימות פיזית זה הקצה. And what in second? I didn't realize we had still been connected to our friends at Gali Tzal. Here he is, Harry Rothenberg, with words about Parshas Toldos at JM in the AM. Parshas Toldos features the birth of the famous twin boys, Yaakov and Esav. Thirteen years ago this week, my twin boys were born. So in honor of their bar mitzvah this weekend, I want to give them a very public shout out. Guys, mom and I are so incredibly proud of you. Mazel tov. But back to the Parsha. There's a scene in the Parsha when Yaakov and Esav turn bar mitzvah. Yaakov is cooking lentils. The sages explain that he's cooking them as the mourner's meal because their father, Yitzchak, is sitting shiva. His father, the twins' grandfather, Avraham, has died. So it's the traditional mourner's meal. Esau shows up, walks in, he's exhausted, and says, bro, pour some of that red stuff down my throat. Yaakov says, okay, but only if you agree to sell me the birthright. Esau says, I don't need it anyway, fine. He swears, completes the deal. Yaakov gives him some of the lentils, never told that Esau, after eating, got up and he left, and he scorned the birthright. Now the Torah never, ever gives us an unnecessary detail. Why do we need to be told that Esau got up and he left? Would we be wondering, What happened after he, he ate the lentils? Did he get up and leave? Or did he stick around? Did, did he ask Yaakov any advice? Uh, you know, uh, Jake, uh, I know you're a rabbi, but uh, you're a smart guy. Maybe you could help me out with my roster for fantasy football this week. Who cares that he got up and left? And so I saw a fascinating explanation as follows. We're told this because he got up and left immediately. He didn't stick around to go comfort his father. He didn't make a shiva call for his father. He was right there in the household sitting shiva. It's monstrous. And this is the guy who's known for the lengths to which he would go to honor his father. But apparently, only on his terms, only when convenient, only when he's in the mood, not when it's awkward, not when he's tired, not when he's exhausted. And that's the type of thing that you would think a parent would never forget and maybe never forgive. Parents sitting shiva and son is there. He's not in another country. He's not in another time zone. He's right there in the household, but he's too tired, he's too inconvenient, and he doesn't stop by, doesn't come into the room to make a shiva call. That's just horrifying. It's outrageous. It's unforgivable. And yet, Yitzchak forgets it and forgives it completely. Later, at the end of his life, he's ready and waiting. Tells his son to go out, bring him food so he can give him some beautiful blessings. He has totally forgiven and forgotten the sin of omission, the failure to make the Shiva call. His wife intercedes, she realizes those blessings need to go to Yaakov, so she has Yaakov impersonate him. That's a whole different story. Yitzchak has forgiven. He's showing us. Kids make mistakes. You also made mistakes when you were younger. Oh, but I never made a mistake that big. You probably did, but even if you didn't, it's your kid. You forgive. You never ever, ever give up on a kid. You just keep loving and loving and loving them.
Thank <laughs> you. 
That's Filot Shabbat Medley, as done by Micha Gammerman. Mordechai Shapiro, before that with Avinu, you heard Maididus um, from Shlomo Katz. Yalaviyavo, a request from our uh, somebody on our app from Miami here at JM in the AM. Candle lighting at 411 in New York. 411 in New York in the Sarah of Shabbos Parshas told us today is the second day of Rosh Chodesh Kislev. Today's day two of Rosh Chodesh Kislev. All these traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh. Again, 411 in New York, pretty early. Thanksgiving Friday, Black Friday here at JM in the AM. And uh, we are here live with our Friday morning presentation. Don't forget our friends at jewishworldreview.com. If you want thousands of articles to print out before Shabbos so you can uh, become more knowledgeable what's happening in Israel and the Jewish world, go to jewishworldreview.com, print out those articles, spend the weekend delving into all the issues. And again, we thank our friends at jewishworldreview.com. Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Appreciate that. Always uh, giving thanks, but particularly this weekend for the peace and prosperity that the majority of us are able to enjoy. Some people are not uh, able to enjoy the same peace and prosperity. Some of our brethren in Israel were victims of a terror attack this week in Yerushalayim, and there seems to be multiple attacks. And this one, for obvious reasons, especially to our listeners, hit even closer to home. A Canadian boy uh, was uh, was the... Um, uh, the ultimate victim, the one who was murdered in the attack. Uh, the Pilachowski family, one of their daughters was injured in the attack, and many people in this audience, of course, know them very well, and they are, uh, we're proud to call them friends. And uh, Yassi Balmol joined us on the air that morning. His older brother was a victim of the attack, literally um, uh, sitting next to the boy who was killed uh, during that early morning bombing. Um a couple of interesting things here, Malcolm. The first thing is that the media is emphasizing how this type of attack has not taken place in Israel uh, in five, six, seven years, depending on what you you know put in the category of this type of attack. And I sort of feel like they're trying to downplay the regularity with which our brothers and sisters in Israel are at risk right now. Uh, number one, do you agree with that? And number two, can you discuss the type of risk that 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 Israelis are living under at the moment? Well, they live under a constant risk. It's not uh, just a moment. Obviously, these, these events escalate and then de-escalate. And it, it has not become as many predicted an intifada or widespread uh, movement. It's still individual cases that doesn't in any way diminish the seriousness or the magnitude of the problem. And, you know, that's one of the reasons I think Ben Gavir did as well as he did and why generally many Israelis um, are concerned and vote, uh, voted right <clears throat> because of the, the concern about security and the feeling that not enough is done to, to crack down, although the police are stretched and, and have tremendous responsibilities. It's very hard when it's a domestic population to identify them and to be able to, to prevent this. Uh, they used all sorts of means to do so. And I think the really miraculous story is how many incidents are prevented. I think that there were last year, 7,000 terrorist incidents of all kinds that could be very minor to 
significant. And Fatah, you know, people lay claim to, to many of them. So it's not just uh, coming from Hamas in the West Bank. We know the, the most recent case where they prevented it by catching a guy with a bomb, getting on a bus work, with a work permit to come into Israel. Right. That uh, people, you know, it's very easy to be armchair generals and to be critical and to say what they should have done. Uh, the the uh, You know, you can't seal the borders all the time. You can't, and that only incites broader violence, they say. But on the other hand, um, you know, just as people here are frustrated and, and angry because of the number of incidents that take place, and it's in the thousands, we don't realize how many anti-Semitic attacks there are during the course of the year across this big country, uh, but they are in the thousands. And so you, you know that it's very hard. We are trying to develop means to predict and means to, to identify in advance uh, through various social media and other monitoring devices, but it's very hard. And of course, kudos to here in the in this area, kudos to the NYPD and other authorities that have proven their effectiveness in this area again over the last few weeks. Uh, there seems to be, I don't know, Malcolm, it's, 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 it's like a different atmosphere because now it, 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 we always were, were, we were always focused on the attacks that took place in Israel. And obviously we still are. And the collective Jewish heart is in agony around the world when we hear about incidents like this, but now because of the anti-Semitism and because of the certain avira, the certain atmosphere that we are feeling, even here in the United States, I'm sure certainly in Europe and other parts of the world, it, it seems like we're. We're all finally getting that feeling like we're all in the same boat, like we all are at potential risk for, God forbid, something happening. And, and it's reflected in the way we behave. Look how look at the security in our schools now, look at the security in our schools now on an average Shabbos morning, etc. And I think people, even in the U.S., are starting to question whether they should or shouldn't go to certain places. Do you get the idea that this is now more of a global Jewish problem, the way things are feeling? I think many people can identify better and should with what Israel and Israelis have been putting up with, you know, the tens of thousands that have died in the defense of Israel and many thousands who were victims of terror over since 1948 uh, and, and identify here with the challenges that we face. You know, the FBI had said that 64% of hate crimes are against Jews and that they represent two and a half percent of the population or something like that, which is wrong or much less than that. But the, the and the number is probably higher. So certainly in New York, I think it's between 70 and 80 percent of the hate crimes are against Jews. Right. And I think many people who were who scoffed at this when we raised this years ago, when yep. we tried it, when yep. we created scan. Yep. Yep. 20 years ago, I, I faced more opposition yep. than support. And including from some of those today who are in the forefront and making big statements, we didn't see them, whether elected officials or or communities or others standing up on this issue. And, and many criticized us for, for talking about it and saying, you know, you're scaring people. I don't want to scare people in Israel. And it's one of the reasons I think you don't create a panic situation. Uh, and maybe that's why they talk about it as they do. You, see, you saw a Jew was shot by somebody who thought he was a terrorist. And it, it can lead to, to uh, unfortunate consequences. And you also don't want to instill fear here in the community. But it's there. And, and what leadership has to do is to, to show what can be done about it 
to give people a sense of confidence and to take the preventative measures, as you mentioned, the tools at schools everywhere. And the attitude of it can happen anywhere, which I think was a line 20 years ago. Now I think it's finally being internalized by people. That's why when someone comments, one of my listeners commented that now they're hesitating to go to Israel. I'm like, what? Like, you know, it's 2022. There's one lesson we've learned recently. It's that it literally can happen anywhere and that Jews around the world are targets. In fact, it was interesting. They said that uh, that, uh, it was the first time that Israelis were killed by a bomb like this, I think since 2015. I don't remember exactly, you know, how they were classifying the attack, but they said that was on Israeli soil, that more recently there were Israelis killed by this type of attack, not on Israeli soil. So that's another thing to consider as we wonder where we should go and whether we should head to the Holy Land at a time like this. Also, just the fact that I haven't brought up this issue in so long shows you the irrelevancy of the New York Times. I get it. But this time I was infuriated. First of all, they hop on this bandwagon that the Israeli left uh, and members of the Israeli left media, you know, love to harp on. It's either the occupation's fault or it's Ben Gvir's fault, right? Like, was there anybody else, by the way, on the list of of, uh, who got blamed? Was there anybody else? Netanyahu. And Netanyahu, sure. right. And Netanyahu. You know, and, uh, and the fact that democracy is dead and or dying, and, and yet they don't look at the fact that this is such a vibrant democracy, and the result of the election is because people were expressing their views, their concerns, and voting, voting because of those concerns. Right. And, and in most countries, that's considered the definition of democracy, when people have the right to freely express their views, and the consequences are what democracy brings. Are we going to say that, that people, some of the people elected here in America this year were all people that were the ideals of what American democracy should look like? No, but, but you don't have this kind of attack, and it's absolutely true that the, that the death of this incredible 16-year-old kid, and it's so painful, yep. very hard to even talk about these things. Because it could be any child, any kid, any person who, who was there at that moment uh, that that the the, uh, the the disregard and right away then flipping to the other side and not talking about the thousands of of uh, incidents that take place. You know, some of the pay, even BBC said uh, made some sort of an apology about their the nature of their coverage. Oh, really? It's so slanted. I didn't realize. Yeah, that. The, wow. uh, it's so slanted and it's so distorted. That we don't have a chance. If you look at even even the coverage of of Iran now, it's a little bit better because of the women's demonstrations. But all along, the persecution yep. of people that took place, the denial of rights of minorities, the the subjugation, the the nuclear plans, their their support for terrorism. Everybody was supporting JCPOA, and still we see that there are some talks going on behind the scenes. According to one of the Iranian officials yesterday in a press conference, said, "Well, we're still talking and." And um, but laying down conditions that obviously are ridiculous. Uh, so it's it's um, it's not a new problem. I, I think right. I quoted here that Mark Twain once said, "If you don't read a paper, you're ill-informed. If you read a newspaper, you're misinformed." <laughs> right. Well, that this was a Kingsley Kirshner article. You know, the two classic Middle East correspondents in the New York Times, and I don't have it in front of me, but. the moral equivalency that they feel the need to put in any of these news stories. They're reporting about a bomb that injured one North American citizen and then went ahead and and, and that that killed a North American citizen and injured, you know, countless people. And they're trying to, you know, present a journalistic aspect of this news item. And they have to, they can't prevent themselves from discussing blame and moral equivalency. And and it's frankly, doesn't belong there as far as I'm concerned. 
the other thing is you mentioned that the um, you know and and the Israeli intelligence I can only imagine you know to what degree they work to prevent these attacks and as you said you know there's countless that we don't even hear about etc but there was one in Cologne the Beersheba one was a, was a, was crazy to watch if you see the video of that one I can't believe he survived actually. Um, now in critical condition. But why did this terror attack work? Is, is it that simply we can't expect them to get everything when it comes to intelligence? Or was this was this an exception in another way? Because when we heard about, you know, being controlled remotely and, you know, then people start, you know, thinking about drones and other things that could be, could be controlled and infiltrates, you know, people's space without being detected, you know, we start to worry about whether this could become a trend. A trend everywhere. And that's why... You know, even the mass shootings here, if you think of how many of them right. have taken place and, and how many people have died and, and people uh, wounded and injured. Uh, and it's, it is very hard to prevent. And especially in Israel, where you have so many tens of thousands coming in every day across a border to or, or from uh, uh, meaning from Gaza and from uh, Jerome, they're coming into Israel. They ha- they are incited. And, and a lot of the incitement, and that's why I mentioned Fatah, not just to think that this is Hamas or, or Pidge, it's Fatah itself. And, and the, the Abbas's uh, statements are often incendiary, and the, uh, some of the other leadership, because they, they're appealing to, quote, street, and everybody justifies it and excuses it or, you know, plays it down. The, um, and, and the, but the, it's an impossible situation when you have so many people crossing and you have a domestic population. If you anybody needs to walk in the streets of Yerushalayim and yep. see how many people are there from yep. a, a, the other neighborhoods. Totally understood. Uh, in terms of the election, okay, so we talked about this possible effect, but will this affect the formation of a government? Will it be formed earlier or later? Uh, I mean, everyone, it seems, including yourself, you know, says it's going to take until the very last day, until the actual deadline. Uh, any reason to think otherwise now? Actually, I didn't. I said I thought it would be sooner because oh, <laughs> I didn't think you have that much opposition. But you're right. Most people say he would play it out. But they have an agreement on a government. And is, and, it, and is it going to be 63-64 in that area? Yep. So why are people saying this, this is going to be a government that's formed where early elections are going to be inevitable? I thought once you hit 63-64 that, that the likelihood is that there's going to be a stable government for the full term. Well, I don't know what the final deal is on the, uh, you know, how he allocated all the seats. We know that uh, that Derry got a transportation and interior and I think religious affairs. Uh, I know that the uh, Ogudu, which doesn't take ministries, wanted the chairmanship of the finance committee. That Ohana will likely be foreign minister because the Likud guys who are complaining that all the key posts going to the wrong people, to the, to the other parties, right. and not to their own people. Um, and uh, the, sec- the minister of defense will be Galant, and um, the, there are still a lot of positions to be given in the prime minister's office and other ministries. But you know there are limited numbers of the good ones. The finance ministry will go to Smotrich, and the uh, in police will go to um, to, to Ben Gvir. But there will also be a minister of internal security. So we'll have to see how a lot of these jobs uh, divide up. And there were reports that Ron Dermer would, would get a, a position. Uh, for, there was speculation about foreign ministry. So we have to see. And Yariv Levin, who was very close to the prime minister, I'm sure will get one. So there are a lot of jobs. Uh, I'm sure this will be a very broad coalition of, of ministries. Uh, and we'll see with the rest. But he, he has cobbled it together. 
and hopefully, and, and you know, Netanyahu's style is that he will he will be the prominent force and be able to pull things together. Right. If not, if they really go after their you know narrow interests and don't see the broader picture of trying to govern, uh, which I think most of the people in this government will do, uh, then indeed it could be early. Election. What was the what Smotrich wanted uh, originally? He wanted he wanted um, defense. He wanted defense. defense. So I mean, he you know what? First of all, you shoot for the stars, you end up with a good position, right? He goes for defense and insists on it. Ends up in finance. You said. Was it finance? He Ministry of Finance. Finance. Right. Uh, not bad, right? Pretty pretty very good. Powerful, and, and, very powerful. Very <laughs> powerful position and maybe more and the in second, some respect. And the second <laughs> thing is maybe he just realized what you just said, that ultimately BB's the Minister of Defense anyway. That, that is, and, and Minister of Foreign Affairs and everything else. But, right. Um, the, but the, the, there's also, uh, you know, um, considerations of the fact that the United States said they wouldn't deal with him. And the Ministry of Defense is not a position where you can't have day-to-day contact with U.S. officials and, right. and military, I'm sure that they would have come around. But even the threat of that makes a big difference, as did it with the foreign ministry. And the jobs that most interact with America, Ministry of Finance does too. And we'll have to see how that plays out. But I think, you know, Netanyahu, of anybody else, perhaps appreciates what the importance of the U.S. is or a relationship is, but also putting down the, the markers that you can't just cave in um, to threats and, and pressure. You have to do what's best for the country and try to get people with expertise. None of them had expertise in defense, and it would have caused a lot of resentment amongst the troops and and the personnel. I think if some of the potential candidates had gotten those posts. Does Ben Gvir have uh, expertise in police? I think he's been arrested a couple times. (laughs) He could tell you the story from both angles. Uh, It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world of web at NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. So Twitter... um, gutted their trust and safety department, which a lot of people concerned about Israel were uh, upset about because uh, it was you know, sort of an overseer of some of the comments that can be made. But at the same time, Elon Musk uh, made sure that the JISR was uh, taken off Twitter because they had praised the bombing, etc. So what do you think of the, of, the, of the juxtaposition of these two stories? If anybody can tell us and explain Elon Musk, then then I think we can get an answer to this or to other things. But were Look, you, he doesn't want to, yes. he doesn't want to destroy uh, you know forty billion dollar investment, right. and will therefore you know the blatant stuff and the things like that. He, he, he will respond. He'll be responsive to I think, but there has to be some coherence. They lost so many of their staff. They're down to I think two thousand employees, and you know he'll have to rebuild it from scratch and set the rules. It's one thing to allow freedom of speech. It's another thing to allow people to exploit the internet. And, and frankly, we, we, we have looked, we watch it, you know, that we have people, there are people monitoring it and I'm working with people and trying to find innovative ways that can, um, detect antisemitism and, and hostile actions in advance by virtue of the internet and social media that, uh, uh, and it is such a, vicious vehicle these days for the promulgation of, of anti-Semitic views and, and hatred of all kinds, but especially against Jews, that we, we have to take an interest. You know, when when the Kylie West, Kanye West and Kelly's events took place, there were millions and millions of anti-Semitic 
hits on the website, uh, uh, messages and, on social media, and right. all sorts of kinds of postings uh, on the Internet. Right. People don't have, know it because you don't monitor it, but the, our people do monitor it, come back with this stuff. And, and it is because of the monitoring, by the way, by the Jewish community that they found the evidence that the threat uh, from from last week that they were able to identify the guy who, who who made the threat or or alerted the police and the FBI to the threat and then to pursue it. Look, there's a social media star that left the television show because she felt she couldn't take the pressure of all the anti-Semitism, which I think is a, you know, usually social media and stars. I hope a lot of people sent messages and sent uh, congratulated. And, and we should be supportive of the people who stand up on the media and aren't many. But there are those who really stand up. I don't know if you saw John Mellencamp, the singer, yeah. made uh, a few four-letter words, but he made the most yeah. <laughs> dramatic statement Correct. against anti-Semitism. And well, really, and, hear, and really, I'm sure he'll hear from the other side. And really, put it in the right context because he put it in the context of hate in general, uh, right. which was, I, I think, done really well. Uh, also, he, Elon Musk, accused the ADL of uh, defaming him. And it sort of reminded me that, you know, as much as we fight these battles, and I'm sure you have felt this for, for God knows how long on so many occasions, it, 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 it is such a delicate balance. You're walking such a fine line between free speech and, you know, the, the, the rightful condemnation of somebody like the JISR who's, you know, praising bombings, etc. You know, it, 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 it's got to be one of the toughest balancing acts of your career. Am I right about that? It's very difficult, and it's difficult for those who fight. It's difficult to decide when when do you go all out against somebody, when do you do DEFCOM 3 against an anti-Semite, or when do you ignore it, or, or when do you right. um, decide on some sort of a tactical move. And not in every case is an atomic response right. We have found that many of these people make comments and stuff in, 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 in instances were not anti-Semites. They, they was dumb. They were insensitive. Right. Uh, but and on others, you see a pattern. And in those cases, there has to be some sort of a response. And especially in, in these two cases, I do not think that they could be overlooked. And it, it sends a message. And I think people, even if it doesn't cure anti-Semitism, if it forces it back under the rock, it, it already helps. But you remember that, that when people who are role models to millions of young people, no offense, tens of millions of young people, yeah. and get millions of messages of support after vicious anti-Semitic comments, in which they still some of them haven't apologized. Uh, that's a very strong. It's, it's a, it makes the case for strong responses, but we have to pick the fights. Yeah, Ben and Jerry's. You have no choice. I mean, ice cream is ice cream. That's a battle that we have to fight. But uh, the other st the other stuff we have to really consider and think about very very carefully. And I'm only saying that somewhat tongue in cheek. Um, let's do sports for a minute. It was great to see Major League Baseball players, including Nelson Cruz, be in Israel. It was great to see Floyd Merriweather, the great boxing champion, visit Israel. You said something to me off the air last week that really resonated with me. And that and I and I wanted to make the point to the audience, and that is that it, it's not the responsibility of the Jewish world or those like yourself and others who are concerned to continue to give the correct impression of Israel to fund and bring celebrities and sports stars to Israel. In many cases, they should simply be encouraged to spend their own money and bring their own families and see how great an experience it is. Yet another balancing act that you have to endure, right? Well, that's true. Uh, Floyd Mary stopped on a, on a trip uh, on his way back, I think, from the Gulf. Um, and uh, I don't think it was announced. I think he did this on his own. 
the uh, the three uh, former baseball players or, or current, uh, hopefully current players, um, were were. Uh, it's part of a trip that that is organized by a, a non-Jewish organization that sponsors trips. And as you know, I take credit for beginning many of these trips back in the in the 80s. Uh, when I took trips with people like Rudy Giuliani and David Dinkins and all sorts of others to Israel, to uh, um, uh, Tim Russert, and we identified them when they were young and when the, when in the beginnings of their career, and all of them reflected. There's nothing that sells Israel like a visit to Israel. And we have since taken all the talk show hosts, all the many movie stars, basketball, football stars. Because our studies show that when these are the people who influence young people, that they look to it. They don't look to me, maybe to you for sure they do, but for me <laughs> and, and others who they, you know, they know, they expect it. But when, you know, uh, a, a black football star or a white baseball star or others that when they know are not Jewish and who, you know, they, they look up to, and especially movie stars who have such huge followings, that that really makes a difference. And when they say, guys, this is no apartheid state, guys, this is the most exciting trip I ever took, it really resonates with large numbers of young people. We have to do more of it. Uh, and, you know, COVID really put a crimp in that in our style in that regard. But I can tell you that of the hundreds and hundreds of, of leaders of every kind, political leaders, uh, uh, opinion molders, we have to bring the influencers from the from the internet whom nobody knows and none of your listeners would or many of them wouldn't identify i certainly wouldn't but they have tens of millions of followers and uh, we have to get them there for them to say here's the truth that's all we want is the truth yeah you, we don't whitewash it with them they can go anywhere they want they see what they want to see and many, all of a and sudden, many go visit areas different. many visit areas that we might not necessarily recommend but they go and explore it themselves and we encourage them because yeah. they, they have nothing to hide. Right. I mean, I think this story tells them it's a perfect no, but way different than what they expect. And uh, I can't tell you how many said to me, this ain't no apartheid state when they can go out in the middle of the night and they can go to bars, they go to um, uh, touring, they do everything. And uh, just uh, never had one come back more, more uh, as it, with a more negative impression than they came. And while we're on the topic of sports, I mean – are they officially part of the Abraham Accords, Qatar, or whatever the pronunciation is, or not? Because the, you know, the warning to Israelis before the World Cup, I thought was outrageous. You and I never discussed it on the air. Uh, the Israeli journalists that are being harassed over there, and in general, I would assume it's a tough ride uh, for the Israeli fans, just based on what we're seeing. What what is the the, the Qatar level of welcoming Israelis at this point? Well, Qatar is you know is a support of Hamas. Uh, I've been to Qatar several times over the last 30 years. And uh, at one time they were very friendly and then it, it, it um, waffled and then they turned against. Um, in some senses, uh, Israel has welcomed the money because it keeps the the government afloat. Uh, but uh, they are still hosting Hamas and other uh, leaders in, in Qatar. They vote against us all the time. They are not part of the Abraham Accord. They uh, are closer to Iran today than before. They were not even uh, part of the rumored Abraham Accord list, like that sec the secondary list. No. Wow. I mean, were there attempts? Of course, there were. There were right. No, no, I but get there it. was no chance of. So of their happening. warning to Israelis before the World Cup was some. I mean, I, I I hesitate to use this word, but in context, was somewhat justified. There were warnings, and yesterday had an incident where a cab driver right. heard that this film crew was were Israelis and made him get out in the middle right. of 
wherever they were. Um, the promise of, of the food wasn't did not materialize. All they have is uh, bagels with a schmear for people who are coming there for a week at a time because those who take this seriously you know, right. watch a lot of games. And uh, people were disappointed. Also, they said they couldn't be, you know, prayer services, certainly not public by, <coughs> uh, by Jews or others. Um, and that's a side People are saying that, that uh, some people are saying that they had no problem and that uh, they were welcomed by other Qataris to 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 uh, but it's uh, God willing they'll all be safe and everybody will come back okay. As you, I was invited to the games uh, by the head of the Qatari Game Authority, whoever is in charge. What, what of position, it. goalie? Uh, I, I would be the goalpost, most likely, but, uh, <laughs> but very little moving around. <laughs> I, I didn't think it was a, a wise thing to do. The, so it um, would be interesting to see it. The um, you always emphasize to us, and we haven't discussed this in a while, but you always emphasize the um, the importance of sports and the political landscape. It was a big deal that they ended up getting this type of high profile event, and it's a shame that. Uh, you know that that some of the episodes with Israelis and the warning in advance, you know, ha- has taken up the headlines. But uh, especially in a competition that's supposed to be, you know, a, a bridge builder between countries. Um, when you can spend two hundred billion dollars, you know, it's, yeah. it, it greases the way. I hear that. It definitely, it definitely was one of the factors. They even moved. It was normally during the summer. They moved it to to November uh, because of the uh, temperature there. Um, so they had that type of influence. You mentioned earlier about Iran, and uh, the media is paying a little bit more attention. Uh, the Times had an article that Iran is doing anything to suppress the protests, including uh, using ambulances to infiltrate some of the uh, gatherings, etc. What else can you tell us about the progress that the protesters are making? So there, there is a lot to report. I'll try and do this very quickly because it's, uh, there's, there's so much happening there, and, and it's not getting the attention a that, little bit uh, more, right? Or am I wrong? Uh, more, more now because we're coming to the question of whether is there JCPOA talks going on. Yesterday, an official in Iran said there is, uh, by you know, uh, not amongst the key players, but supportive uh, exchanges going on. Supportive players play, uh, having exchanges. Uh, in the meantime, they are doing more and more horrific acts against the demonstrators. We know hundreds supposedly have been blinded by metal pellets and the rubber bullets. They, they've arrested tens of thousands. That there are at least 400 people. Uh, they acknowledge 300, but I'm told that the number is higher. They are continuing to expand their, their activities. You know, they're building a drone factory in, in Russia in addition to what they are um, uh, themselves um, uh, building and, and selling to Russia, missiles and uh, these these suicide uh, drones, the the, um, the that as the Russians reduce their presence in Syria, they're trying to take advantage of it. Uh, they they um, they even weighed an attack against the FIFA Games, but decided that the price would be uh, too great if they if they do it at the PR price. Um, you know, the the museum in memory of Khamenei, the founder of the Islamic Revolution, was set afire. The demonstrators are doing such dramatic things. They, they walk in the streets and knock the turbans off the heads of the Ayatollahs, which is uh, a, a dramatic move when you know that you could be identified, could be caught, and if so, you go to jail, as did one of the uh, Iranian team 
the captain, I think he was arrested because he made statements that were seen as critical of the Iranian regime. They refused to sing the national anthem in uh, in Doha, uh, the Iranian team. And so, I mean, they're doing incredibly courageous things. And at the same time, the government, they, they uh, there was an attack on a tanker, which was traced to a, a, a missile launched from, from Iran's tanker owned by Israelis, uh, even though it flies um, a foreign uh, flag. And we're seeing that um, the 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 uh, in in Britain there were at least ten attempts to assassinate people in Britain. We know that they hired private detectives to spy on opposition forces here, and 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 terrorizing people in Europe, in the United States, and elsewhere. We don't hear it because it's against members of the Iranian dissident community that get threatened. And you see the ongoing attacks against the people, the Kurdish people. I'm doing rundown because there's so much and it's getting so little attention considering the heroic move by, by these people that sustained this already. We're getting into the close to 50th day, or we are past the 50th day of the, since the, the these um, demonstrations uh, started. And they're really having, um, a, a, I would say a real effect and we're seeing that the, the aggression by them, one response is that CENTCOM is floating hundreds of submarine and surface uh, unmanned vehicles in the Gulf to counter the attacks that uh, that they fear from Iran and Iran's uh, increasing aggression. So it's, it's a multi-faced um, uh, problem. And then it, it seems people with time, you know, they get inured to it, they get tired of it. We cannot get tired because they're just counting the days till we, you know, pull back our resistance. And if we don't escalate our resistance in every space, the flight of the B-52 bomber from the United States accompanied by Israeli jets part of the way is an important message. We have to do much more to show the countries in the region that we're going to stand up to them. Uh, it's over 40 years of a tyrannical regime. And, um, once any regime allows, the, I mean, it's it's all about the economy, right? If, the, if there was economic stability there, we likely would not be seeing these protests or am I wrong about that? No, I think this goes way beyond it. It's it is a factor, absolutely. The the economy is in ruins. The uh, rights, the crackdown, you know, the forced, uh, you know, dress rules and all the other things, the restrictions on people. But there's also no hope. There's no sense that the government cares that they know that it's all corrupt. That the government takes forty percent of the IRGC and the supreme leader of the economy off the top. They, they, you know, they lop four zeros off your off the currency, leaves people with no pensions. Uh, so economy is a factor, but this goes much deeper, and that's the denial of rights, the persecution and, uh, of people. And someone, based on what we started with in terms of the Israeli attack and the the fact that now Jews all around the world are waking up to the fact that anybody can be a victim at any time, God forbid. Uh, someone mentioned, well, what about nine eleven? But it, there was something different about nine eleven. That was an era. Uh, uh, in 2001, where where people were not anticipating or were in fear of someone walking into a shul or a school or random attacks, you know, of anti-Semitic acts. That was that was a mass destruction event that you know was planned by a foreign entity, and I I, I think that that was the difference. Now I think we're in an era where the atmosphere around the world is such that Jews everywhere, and I'm sorry for saying it like this because we don't want to stoke fear, but then again, we want people to be you know, resilient, where Jews everywhere are potentially a target. And I think that that's what makes it a difference between now and 20 years ago. But but the day after 9-11, the security concerns raised people who were in panic. I mean, institutions closed by and large, but in the aftermath of it, a lot of the steps that we have taken right. 
you know, were accelerated because of that, because people began to realize and how many years do we warn about it beforehand? I mean, this is not something that came out of the blue. And, you know, we've tried to get federal officials, state officials, everybody to pay attention to it, let alone the Jewish community to take security measures, which they're very lax. And now they get, you know, we get federal funds for some of the actions and some uh, and people are doing more and some institutions really have done a lot. Um, but, you know, we, we went into this mode and I don't think we've come out of it since then. Yeah, 100%. I think it's just gotten deeper, frankly. Uh, I thank but there is good yeah. news. Can we just quickly yeah, just sure. say the opening of a synagogue at the Mohammed VI Polytech University, first new synagogue and first one on a campus in Morocco, Azerbaijan moving, opening an embassy in Israel, the um, Malaysians holding the PA to account for the money that they gave for a hospital in Gaza and the Hamas, and nothing happened, and they are now uh, crying out about the corruption, and uh, so... There is good news and, on some fronts. And the Bank of Africa news. They're, 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 they're leaning now on Israelis to invest in their region, which is... If Africans are reaching, have been reaching out and are reaching out, and you know, I've talked to many of them, as you know, we've gone to Africa to, to, to stimulate it because they, they vote against us in the UN, but there is broad support, and there are a lot of evangelicals, there are a lot of people who, who believe, but also a greater appreciation of what Israel has to offer. Many African leaders said to me, you can keep U.S., you can keep Europe, give us Israel because they have what we need. Yeah, and they care, frankly, <laughs> certainly to a greater degree than other countries do very often. Uh, Malcolm, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again yeah, next week. There he is, Malcolm Honline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents, Major American Jewish Organizations, with us on a Friday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM. Friday morning it is. 411 is candlelighting in New York. Again, 411 is candlelighting in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. 411 is uh, candlelighting in New York. And, yeah, it's pretty early. Again, make sure you know when things start where you are. Today... Um, today is a Black Friday. That's right. Today is Black Friday. And that means that there's a lot of uh, a lot of bargains going on. A lot of specials. Well, our friends at ShopEichlers.com are no different. ShopEichlers.com have announced their Black Friday sale. All menorahs. All menorahs at 20% off. And if you look at the photo, just the photo. Forget about the actual website. Just look at the photo of what they publish in terms of what's available menorah-wise. It is unbelievable what a collection of menorahs is, in fact, available. The Black Friday sale, shopeichlers.com. All menorahs, 20% off. Use promo code FRIDAY2022 or use promo code RADIO. Yeah, much easier to remember. Use promo code RADIO. Go to shopeichlers.com. Take advantage of their Black Friday sale. All menorahs right now are 20% off. Again, make sure to use promo code radio. Go to shopeichlers.com. Enjoy your Black Friday specials from our friends at shopeichlers.com. Uh, also, a big hello to our friends at B&H. B&H. A&H. That's funny. That is funny that I said that because today, actually it wasn't even today. It was yesterday. I said to myself, we got to think of what additional equipment we need for all of the studios that we're building because today's Black Friday and we got to be in touch with our friends at PH. That's pretty funny that I just said that. Uh, this portion of NSN programming is brought to you by our friends at AH. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. Modern, better for you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website at kosherdogs.net. Try A&H today. And a big thank you to everybody at A&H. 
H. They provided a whole bunch of delicious treats for people uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday. And you know that we appreciate them. They have great products, wonderful, delicious items. There's nothing like enjoying a holiday of any type uh, than with our friends at A&H. This time each every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Toldos. Parshas Toldos is the one whereby Yitzchok Avinu is in front and center, and we have the following in the parsha. Number one, we have Yaakov acquiring the Bechola from Esav at the beginning of the parsha, and we have Yitzchok blessing Yaakov with both, both brachos. What does that mean? The Malbim explains that Yitzchak knew the character of his two sons. And what did he want? He wanted the ideal. The same way that Yaakov works out the relationship between Yitzchak and Zavulan, whereby Yitzchak would be the one to sit and study Torah. And Zavulan would be the successful businessman to support his brother, and each one would complement the other. Namely, that Zavulan would get part of the reward of the Talmud Torah of Yisachar, and Yisachar would be supported by Zavulan, and this way each one would get the best of both worlds. And this is what Yitzchak wanted to create this cooperative relationship between his two sons. Rivka Imenu unfortunately knew that it was a beautiful ideal but it's not real that Esav would not live up to this commitment and responsibility, and therefore she orchestrated that Yaakov would get both brachos. So, number one, it's clear, says the Malbim, that the first bracha of Yitain Lucho Elokim, Shemayim, the first bracha that is given to Yaakov could very well have been given to Esau because there's no spirituality in that blessing. It's only a blessing of materialism. He should be a successful businessman. He should be a prominent individual in the community. He should be respected. Oh, this could very well have gone, thought Yitzchak, to Esau, and therefore, however, Rivka has it that Yaakov gets that bracha number one, 
But then at the end of the parsha, when it's very clear that Rivka hears that Esav has a desire to kill Yaakov and his parents send him off, at the end of the parsha, it's very clear that Yitzchak gives Yaakov Birkas Avraham. Birkas Avraham is that, please God, there would be the continuity, many children of Avraham Avinu and the bracha of Eretz Yisrael. That's how the parsha begins and ends with Bechora and Bracha. I'd like to focus, however, on that which we find in Shlishi, in the third Aliyah, whereby the Torah tells us that Yitzchak was not wealthy, he was exceedingly wealthy. The Torah tells us that he acquired flocks and herds and many enterprises. And what do we find immediately thereafter? By Yekanu Oso Plishtim. And the Plishtim were envious of him. They were jealous of him. Now listen carefully, everybody. You have to know that there are no Bible stories. There are only Bible lessons. It's so clear. The Torah points out and says, where does anti-Semitism come from? Vayakanu oso plishtim. The plishtims were envious and jealous of Yitzchak. And therefore, the Torah goes on to tell us what did they do? Amazing. The Be'eros, the wells that Abraham Avinu had dug, what did the Plishtim do? They stopped them up, Sitmum Plishtim, Vayamalum Afar, and they filled them with earth. Why does Yitzchak need the water? He needs it for his flocks and herds. Now I ask you, do not the Plishtim need the water as well? The answer is, of course they do. But what do they do? They cut their nose to spite their face. What does that mean in simple English? As long as Yitzchak will not have the water, that's going to please them, even if they are without the water as well. Unbelievable. This Mesiras Nefesh for anti-Semitism, which is exactly what the Torah is teaching. And think about it. Unfortunately, nothing has changed in over 3,000 years. What a very powerful lesson. That's the first thing. Secondly, let's get to the Ramban. That the Ramban is teaching us that, whoa, aside from the literal understanding of that there are three wells later on that Yitzchak and his men dig, and the first one is Asek, that there was strife over whose well this is, and Sitna, there was on the second well enmity between, once again, Yitzchak and the Plishtim, but it's only the third well 
of which there was no argumentation, called Rehovot. So as they read the Torah, please God, tomorrow, and you hear these names and the story of the wells, remember, says the Ramban so beautifully, that the first well is a reminder to us of the first Beis HaMikdash. And the second well, again over which there was contention and enmity, is the second Beis HaMikdash. But the third one, that Amir Hashem, will be built. says the Ramban, that one, there will be no contention in the future. Now, I'd like to share with you an additional thought regarding these Be'eros, regarding these words. The Chafetz Chaim, Zechrona Levracha, in his commentary on the Torah, tells us there's an additional lesson to be learned from the Be'eros, and that is Le'olam Lo Yirpeh Ha'odam Es Yodav in simple English, the, Ram, the Chafetz Chaim is teaching that the Torah is teaching us that a person is to have perseverance. You began something, continue it, see it through. Oh, and he should not be miyayesh. He should not give up hope nor lose stamina in what he is doing in his enterprise. And he points out that this is true, both in the area of Gashmias, in the area of materialism, and in the area of Ruchnias, in the area of spirituality as well. Don't give up. And this idea can be further seen by the commentary of in his Das Torah on the puzzle in next week's parsha, whereby when Rachel, who's having difficulty and having a child, so number one, she gives and takes her maidservant Bilhah and gives uh, her to Yaakov. And from Bilhah, number one, she has done, and then she has a second child through Bilhah, namely Naphtali, which means literally to wrestle and to twist and turn to God. What does that mean? Says Rashi, I was Nisakashti, I was persistent. And I beseeched with many beseechments and turnings to Hashem that I should at least have two out of the twelve Shvatim. And she does at the end having Yosef and Binyamin, but here she had two through Bilhah. Once again, says Rabbi Rucham, the Torah is teaching us a very important point. Don't give up. And so, what do we find? 
that through challenges such as the challenge that Rachel had, that is how people grow. And so he cites the Medrash Rabbah in Bereshis 56.5 that, as we know, Avram Avinu was going to the Akedah and Samael, the Satan, tries every which way to stop him and to dissuade him from so doing it whether he does it intellectually by saying to him, you waited a hundred years and now you're going to, quote, kill Yitzchak. You waited a hundred years and you preached to everybody that they should not be involved with child uh, persecution and giving over a child to idolatry. And now you're doing the same thing every which way. And Avram keeps responding, Amenas Cain, yes, even though you are trying to dissuade me. And the whole, one of the many different reasons that we go to Tashlech on Rosh Hashanah is that the Satan tries to put literally a body of water of rum, of vinu, is walking through. And until the water is, like the rabbis tell us, until it came to his neck, and he looks up to Shemayim and he says, Okay, Hashem, it's in your hands. And the water recedes, etc. Unbelievable. This is called Akshonos. This is called a great determination, almost stubbornness. But that's how he succeeds. Moshe Rabbeinu, right, according to our rabbis, prays 515 times. And he would have continued to pray. Hashem says to him, Ravloch, that is enough. So what do we learn from this? Something exceedingly powerful, namely, don't give up. And I want to share with you a beautiful interpretation of the Mitzudas David <clears throat> on the Pasuk in Mishlei, chapter 22, Pasuk 19. Write it down, 2219 in Proverbs. Bring it to the table tonight. Listen to this beautiful puzzle. Lios Bashem Miv which means your trust should be in God. Hodaticha Hayom, Shlomo HaMelech is telling us, I'm telling you today, says Shlomo, Af even you. Now what does that mean, even you? So clearly, the Mitsudas David says, you think that you are rather insignificant. Namely, you're not going to be as learned as your local rabbi, as your teacher, and therefore, what's in it for me? No, each person on their level, you make the effort and Hashem will reward you with the result. And listen to those last two words again. Af ata. We're talking to each and every one of you. And that's a very powerful point that the uh, Parsha is teaching us. Learn from Yitzchak. They stopped up the wells. He was persistent 
and bringing them back. And clearly, the idea behind it is Sheva Yipol Tzadik Vatkom. Seven times the righteous one will fall and get up. Don't think that the Tzadikim have it, quote, easy without a challenge. No, they're not born a Tzadik. They have to work hard at it. And we too should learn those two beautiful words, Af'ata. This has been the way of Jewish history. On the one hand, the negativity of anti-Semitism, and on the other hand, the stubbornness, the persistence of the Jew, Af'ata, you can do it, each and every one of us. And that is what will bring us, please God, to that Beis HaMikdash, HaShlishi, Bimheira Biyamenu. Shabbat Shalom to all.
ואין כי טהור, כי לי עולם חסדו. J.M. and the A.M., that's uh, Kili Olam Chazdo. Today is Rosh Chodesh, all the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh. Yalavayavo, half Hallel, special Torah reading. Musaf, Baruch Inafshi, and whatever your custom calls for. For instance, if uh, the great Simon Jacob was here at the moment, I would turn to him and I would say, Simon, you have a background from places like Singapore, India, Edota Mizrach, Sephardic shuls, Ashkenazic shuls, I would say, Simon, in addition to what I just said, is there anything else that you might suggest should be said on Rosh Chodesh? And if I turned to Simon and said that, he might say, <laughs> good morning good and a good Chodesh. <laughs> good morning, Nachum. Oh, is, it good, is it good to see you? It's great to see you as well, and it's great to see you in person. Yes, it's um, great to see you in person. <laughs> Uh, it's funny you say that because it does seem that uh, so many people are interacting via video and FaceTime and pictures. But the, it not with all of that, it's still great to see you live and in person. I love the U.S. Menhagim of saying Hallel on Thanksgiving. You like that. And Isruchag. And Isruchag, right. It's <laughs> unbelievable. It was really, really precious. And I always list five things. For the last 40 years, Simon, I always list five things that people need to remember when they get up to Davin on Rosh Chodesh morning. Is there anything in your customs? Because you do have very... A background compared to what what I have. Is there anything else, or it's basically the same? You're saying Hallel, you're saying Musaf. It's basically the same thing. Our custom is not to say uh, bracha for Hallel. Okay, Sfardim, on Rosh Chodesh, Sfardim on Rosh Chodesh, do not say a bracha for Hallel. But there is kind of a little um, cheat that you can have. A or, caveat. Yes, no, there's a cheat. If you go to a an hack, Ashken, a hack, a life hack, uh, um, a Rosh Chodesh hack, right. that if you go to an Ashkenazi shul. You can always say amen to the bracha of the what right. you call it. So you get to have it a little bit, even though it's not our custom. And Musaf, you assume, is similar to it's ours the, or the same thing? Yeah, almost the same. Kriyat Torah, same Kriyat Torah for... Uh, the aliyot are broken up a little bit differently. Are there four? Yes, like us? there are four, just the same. same. Took me 40 years to ask you this question, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but I, like always, I used to always say these five items. Now I say these five items plus whatever your custom calls for because I've learned... Yeah. Over the year, you know, when I when I started this radio show, essentially there was one custom that I was yep. familiar with. And I figured the whole world did it. Yep. Then you grow up a little bit and it's, you meet people and you see that there are a lot of varieties. It's the woke generation. Now we're believing, we're listening to Svartim as well. It's okay. No. <laughs> but it's not just Svartim because you've, no, you've know, told me that there's variations even within the Svartic world of different the same, customs. The same as that there are variations in the customs of Ashkenazim. Right. There are definitely variations in the customs of Svartim. Yeah, definitely. And the first thing that comes to mind is like Broyers does things a bit differently than we do, etc. So even in the Ashkenazic world, there's a uh, the only changes. thing that doesn't change, which is really interesting, and I don't know why, I have no idea why, but slichot, the tunes for slichot among the Sephardi world are almost universal, and you can get Moroccans, you can get uh, Iraqi, 
you know, every from all over the Sephardi world. And they're singing slichot. You can go into a slichot and you can sing along with all of them. And wow. I have no idea why, but Baruch Hashem, it's, it's, that's a, a unifying thing, which is really special. That's beautiful, especially for people like you that take slichot very seriously. Yeah, Baruch Hashem. We have, a, we have to learn to sometimes take slichot a little bit more seriously. I, I could never, ever, ever do slichot the way Ashkenazim do. Uh, and I'm thrilled to have it for the entire month. So, you know, close to 40 days. It's right. not really because my grandchildren come and sing with me, my, my children, my grandchildren. It's like awesome. It's just an awesome thing. And it's beautiful to watch. It's beautiful to watch. For those of you who don't know, Simon, Simon Jacob, who's here visiting us, is now permanently Baruch Hashem living in Jerusalem. Yep. We've discussed this on the air before. Still has some presence virtual presence maybe in west orange new jersey still has some connection yeah. to our friends in west orange new jersey yeah i'm very close i'm very close to west orange i was in both synagogues i was both Sephardic synagogues in west orange this week already and um Baruch Hashem, i have uh eight out of my nine children live in aritz wow uh, with the grandchildren and everybody and i have one son uh, who, and I'm not giving him a guilt trip <laughs> at all, but I have one son who, please God, in the future will move, but he's here with his uh, children in, um, in Bergenfield. All right. So there you go. There's a reason to come back. Uh, yes. Besides, very, besides coming to see besides us. Besides to see us. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you. Um, so the, uh, it's funny. You talk about Jewish unity, and you, of course, are co-chair of the Jewish Unity Initiative. And it's funny that... When you walked in this morning, off the air, the first thing we basically started talking about was Jewish unity. It's what it's all about. It totally is. And we try to keep promoting that every day here. And you pointed out that, thank God, I have a lot of colleagues now in 2020. Yeah. In 2022. There's so many uh, avenues and channels and social media and otherwise that people can reach other people. We have a lot of colleagues that are duplicating what we've been doing for four decades, which is trying to unite as many people in our community as possible. Rabbi Stefanski does a Dafyomi share, and I'm sorry to push another thing on No, here. not at all. He deserves he, it. He's, he's absolutely awesome. The way awesome. you describe what he's doing he's, to me is he, amazing. He is absolutely awesome, um, and his he has a consistent Dafyomi every single day. It's in English for uh, Anglos. But you would argue the purpose is, addition, in addition to Talmud study, the purpose is Jewish unity. Yeah, 100%. One of his biggest pushes is that we're all Jews. We're all the same. And everybody can learn Dafyomi, and it's beautiful, and it's beautiful to watch because the community that surrounds him, and now that's almost, it's, it's probably worldwide. over 24,000 people listen to him every single day, and it goes across Hasidim, uh, Litvaks, uh, Svardim, everything. It's and how like many Talmudim do we say Rabbi Akiva had? 24. So it's really pretty pretty scary that we're on, a, on the cusp of having a Rav who's giving a Dafyomi shir and so... He, he's really special. How did Rabbi Akiva special. do it without social media? I have without no, FaceTime. I have no clue. <laughs> and WhatsApp. I have no clue. He, this is Zoom, FaceTime, you know, WhatsApp, everything. But Rabbi Stefanski so. has taken advantage of the technology of today, and as you just said, approaching twenty four to 25,000 students. And he does it consistently every single day. And it's that, that consistency yeah. is what does it. It's what did it for you, Nachum, here. And the it's secret. what is that it does it for him. We, I also have, I also daven with the Rav in, um, in Yemin Moshe. Sometimes he comes every other week to Yemin Moshe. His name is the Yanuka, which is uh, very special. He's, it's, Yanuka is an infant 
He's a brilliant. Oh, like Tino, yeah, right. yeah, he's a right. he's a twenty. He's a thirty-four year old um, sadik who's just amazing, and his biggest push is unity among Am Yisrael, which is just incredibly special. Average week, twenty-one tefillot. You're in how many different synagogues? And an average week in Israel. When you're in Israel, you'll be. Uh, are you in one only? I, I'm usually. I'm. It, I'm in at least two. At least two. At least two, sometimes more, but typically two. I'm pretty involved. Oh, so you're pretty consistent in terms of... I try uh, to. Yeah. I try to be. I open the doors in the morning in the synagogue, uh, which is kind of funny because they're, you know, they're uh, dealing with me being in the States now. Right. It's kind of funny. They must be in a panic. No, they're not. You must be getting WhatsApp. Simon, where are you? Hey, Fata. I'm getting, I'm getting, (laughs) I am getting comments. I can imagine. Shalom, I want to wish you all Chodesh Tovim Varach. Amen. Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving to those, and Shabbat Shalom Varach. Shabbat Shalom Varach. It is the month of miracles, Kislev. Yep, let's, 100%. Let's enjoy the continuous miracles that God showers us with Hashem. on a daily basis. The great Simon Jacob, everybody. It is time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM. The sun is going down. It's shining through the trees. Another week's gone by. So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. Man and his creator, it's a very special sign. Your candles will be burning, they'll fill your home with light. Singing songs of Shabbos, well in.
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Hey, a special uh, hello and bruchim habayim to B and Ralph Rosenbaum. They're in Israel. And they write on the app, and there's nothing like listening to us in Israel when the show is over. It's time for candlelighting, and it is almost time for ca- Oh, actually, in Yerushalayim, it's really time for candlelighting. Beit Shemesh has another 15, 20 minutes, but in uh, Yerushalayim, it's now candlelighting time. So a, um, a special Shabbat Shalom to B and Ralph, who we hope to see in Israel once we get there in a couple of weeks. Bezrat Hashem. And a big thank you to Simon, who uh, is visiting us from Yerushalayim and stopped by our New Jersey studio this morning. I knew there was a good reason to work today on Friday of Thanksgiving weekend, and I was proven correct. <laughs> Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend. Mark Zamek and the Arab Shabbos Show brought to you by a wonderful view. Like Kedem is at 10 a.m. this morning, Eastern time, and plenty more, of course. I'll run me tomorrow night with Saturday Night Seagull with Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler. On Sunday, it's going to be Matis and Jam Sunday beginning at 7 o'clock. Till next week, Nachum Seagull reminding you, remember the past, have a pr- live the present, and trust the future.